Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. You are so well protected, so well cared for by the God who knows not even just everything about all things. He knows everything about you and still chooses to place you right in the palm of his hand and clasps both hands over you. He knows your thoughts. He knows your heart. He knows all the junk that's in there. He knows all that. And he still chooses to wrap you up. And he holds on to you very preciously, very delicately. Are you an introvert by nature? Do you keep to yourself, sometimes hoping that no one takes notice of you? Well, I hate to disappoint you. Actually, no, I don't. Because it's really great news what Pastor James teaches about today. He reminds us of David's words that the God of the universe who created all things sees and knows you, even to the extent of how many hairs you have on your head. That's unbelievable and magnificent all at once. That's something that we need to remember in our times of trouble. Now turn in your Bible to the book of Psalms, chapter 139. As Pastor James begins his message, he's still here. and we're going to get right into Psalm 139, okay? So you can go ahead and start turning there. I'm going to pray right now. I thank you, Lord, that, that the all-knowing, all-powerful, ever-present God of this universe cares about us. I'm so grateful, Lord, that even the, the, the most minute detail of our lives, Lord, you're aware of and you're interested in. And so we just thank you for that, Lord. I, I just pray that we, we would never forget that the God that we serve is a very personable God. You're not distant. You're, you're heavily invested in, in us, Lord, and your creation. And so we just thank you for that, Lord. I thank you for the reminder. I thank you for David, the, the psalmist here, and, and just his, him just exposing his heart way back then, Lord, on whatever pages he would write on, Lord. I'm just grateful for his, just his honesty, but his expressions of praise, Lord, and how relatable he is. And so we just thank you. We thank you for your word. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would be present here. And Lord, we, uh, we just lift up everything that's on the calendar. We give it all to you, Lord. This church belongs to you, Lord. And, and so we just ask that your will would be done. And we just pray all these things in your name. Amen. Amen. All right, so Psalm 139. This is like classic psalm. You guys get it? You, you know the psalm. Some of you have it, parts of it memorized. I'm sure you do. It's just a beautiful psalm, 24 verses long. It's just, and it's deep theologically, right? But it's not like too deep to where it's all over our heads. It, it almost is like David kind of throws out these major theological themes, you know, like we can use the, the fancy church words, you know, where it's like om, omnipresent, omniscient, and all that stuff. I don't like using those words too much because who uses those words anytime? Nobody, right? Unless you're talking to Christian friends and you're looking to impress somebody. But he's ever-present, all-knowing, all-powerful, right? Those just communicate, I think, sometimes better. David highlights these aspects of God but not in such a way that's like, kind of pushes him out 
You know what I'm saying? It, it, David's able to highlight these qualities of God, but also to, to really to, to narrow it down to where it's like, he's so big, so amazing, so awesome, but he is so close and so near and so near. And this is just kind of where we find David. David writes this psalm, and obviously he's inspired by the Holy Spirit. That's why we have it in the Bible. And he just gets right into it. Context-wise for this psalm, historically, I don't know what was happening. I honestly, I tried to do some research on it and try to figure out like, well, he's not in a cave. Is he, you know, is he running from somebody? He seems to have written most of the psalms that, you know, on the run or hidden in a cave, right? Like, but there's not a whole lot there other than this is just a final portion of some of the psalms that he wrote. But this is just a beautiful outpouring of his heart concerning a God that he knew personally, but then also that a God who personally knew him very well, okay? So let's look at this. Verse one, we'll break these down into sections. I figure if I do it that way, I won't skip verses. We're gonna walk through this one verse by verse. That's what we do. I keep saying that, but I keep skipping them. We're gonna do this verse by verse, but we're gonna go section by section, okay? This first one, verse one through six, highlights the fact that God is all-knowing, okay? There are no surprises for him. Verse one, it says, oh Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts, even when I am far away. That's an interesting little thing there. Obviously, I'll I'll break these down, you know, as a whole, but I don't want to go too far down this road just yet without explaining some of this stuff. But David is, again, he's just pinpointing the fact that, God, you know everything. You know everything about me. In fact, kind of what he's saying there is like, you know me better than I know me. You know me better than I know me. And I think all of us could amen that. I think I'm somewhat self-aware to a certain extent, but there is so much going on inside me. The longer I've been walking with Jesus, the more this stuff comes out. And it's like, I didn't even know that was in there. I had no clue that that was in there. I didn't know that was an issue for me. And lo and behold, the closer you get to the Lord... And just walking with him relationship-wise, the, the impurities, so to speak, get drawn out. They come to the surface. And so he can skim them off, right? And you'll be completely pure and all that good stuff when you're in heaven in his presence, okay? So don't get too disturbed by all the yuck that keeps bo- you know, bubbling up to the surface, okay? Because you're not in heaven yet. That process will end one of these days, but not just yet. So he's saying, you know my heart, you've examined my heart, you know everything about me, you know when I sit down, when I stand up. He's like using opposites. This is very poetic, okay? When I sit down, when I stand up, there's the the opposites there, the contrast. You know my thoughts, even when I am far away. And I don't think, there's a few ways to look at that. I don't think he's talking about like geographically or positionally far away from God because you can never be far away from God because he is always near. You cannot be far away from God, Okay. I'll, I'll stress that point even further as we go on. I think he may be like, within his mind, you, you kind of know what that's like. Sometimes that happens for you when you're here having to listen to me. You're, you go, the, the mind goes far away. It just drifts. It's just gone. And I can see it on your eyes. I get it. I'll do my best to win you back. But I think he's just talking about, it's just almost like this distracted kind of state. It's like you're there, the lights are on, but nobody's home kind of a deal, right? Like, that's how he spent my entire school life. The lights were on, but James was not home all throughout school, okay? I showed up. I did that part. You know, when I sit down, when I stand up, you know my thoughts, even when I'm far away, 
You see me when I, when I travel. This is New Living Translation. When I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. We finish each other's sandwiches. No, that's, a, that's some Disney movie. I can't even remember which one it is. He's like, before I even say anything, you already know what I'm going to say. You already know, what I, you know everything that I'm going to say. Even before I know what I'm going to say, God knows what I'm going to say. Which it seems as though when we read something like that, we should be pretty mindful of what we actually say. <laughs> you know, maybe put a little bit of a filter, you know, on our, on our tongues or on our mouths. That understanding that, you know, there are references that God keeps in account of every word you say. Every word. And that's like, that can be intimidating. Because I've said a lot of words that I should have never said. A lot. And I'm thinking there's a book and there's probably a chapter. And I'm going to be like, okay, what can, let's just, let's just burn that one. Let's throw that one away. It's good for us to be mindful. If he knows of every word we're going to say before we say it, the common sense element to this whole thing is be slow to speak. Quick to hear, slow to speak. I think James said that. Quick to hear, but slow to speak. And say, Lord, even before you, even before you respond, Lord, I don't know what I'm going to say, but I know you do. And I just pray I say the right thing. <laughs> Please help me say the right thing. Um, just be mindful of that. But David's, he really is just highlighting the fact that God knows all. This all-knowing God, this all-knowing God knows him. And you can write this in your Bible. The all-knowing God, or omniscient, if you want to use the word, knows me. He knows you. He knows you better than you know you, right? You go before me, he says in verse five, and follow me. So it's before and behind. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. So what it, your translation may say, he hedges you in. And that always speaks of like a protection thing. So essentially what I, what I wanna kind of picture wise, I wanna communicate to you is this. In your relationship with God, who knows everything about you. And it says here that, you know, he goes before you and he goes behind you. He has his hand, his hand of blessing or his hand of grace is another way to translate that on your head. So it's almost like there's God Almighty, the all-knowing God, all-powerful God. And here you are. You're right in the center of his hands. That's kind of what it's communicating here. He has this outflow from his heart. And he's like, man, Lord, you know me. You've examined my heart. You know what's happening, not just physically my heart, but my emotions. And he's going to address the mindset as well. But he says, you know all the stuff about me. And here you are, all-knowing, all-powerful God. And positionally, I'm right here. You're right in the center of his hands that are clasped around each other. Well, who's going to get you out of that? Who, who can break apart God's hands? Tell me what enemy is strong enough to tear you out of his hands. There's not an enemy strong enough. There's not one that exists. Even Paul would, well, I mean, I'll reference this a little bit later, but Paul, as he wrote to, to the believers in Rome, Romans 8, 38 through 39, what can possibly separate us from the love of God? What he's referencing is the fact that God's got you. You are so well protected, so well cared for by the God who knows not even just everything about 
all things. He knows everything about you and still chooses to place you right in the palm of his hand and clasp both hands over you. He knows your thoughts. He knows your heart. He knows all the junk that's in there. He knows all that. And he still chooses to wrap you up. And he holds on to you very preciously, very delicately. But there's nobody who can pry these hands apart. There's no thing that can pry these hands apart. David's thinking about these things. And I mean, this stuff's just flowing out of him. He's like, such knowledge, such knowledge, such comprehension. It's too wonderful for me. It's too great for me to understand. He's like, I just, it's blowing my mind is what David is saying. But he presses on. He, now he's going to address the fact, verses 7 through 12, the, how omnipresent God is, how he's ever present. There's not a place in this universe where God is not, okay? He is all-encompassing. Verse 7, it says, I can never escape your, uh, from your spirit. Or your translation may say, where can I, where can I go from your spirit, Right? Um, where can I run from your presence? New Living Translation, I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. As if anybody would really want to. However, I have to address this. There have been and always will be ones who flee from the presence of God. The best example is that of Adam and Eve. They ran and hid from God. The worst game of hide-and-go-seek ever in history, right? It happened in the garden, and you have Adam and Eve who did something they were not supposed to do. They sinned, and then they became aware of their nakedness, and then they sewed up some clothes for themselves, and then when they heard God coming, they split, they ran, they tried to hide themselves. We do the same thing. We do the same thing. And usually it's predicated by our poor decisions. We may make a bad decision to do something that we know we shouldn't do or God has told us not to do. And oftentimes the the result of that is we will try to distance ourselves from him. We try to hide from God. I've been doing this church thing for too long to, because there will be people who show up and then not all, this isn't all people. Let me preface this. But there will be people who show up and then they'll make poor decisions in their lives and then we don't see them for a long time. Sometimes it's work-related, they have to work. That's fine, understandable. Sometimes you got schedule conflicts. I'm not saying if you miss church, I think like it's because you sinned and you're trying to run from God, okay? So let me relieve you of that. However, there are ones, there are ones and there will always be ones who have shown up at certain points in time, but now they're distant, why? Because Unfortunately, for some, they're running from God. The sad reality is this is exactly where you should be. This is exactly where you should be. I don't want to go to church. Why? Well, because I did this. Okay, you need to go to church. You need to go to church. We're not going to expose anything. That's it's not our business. I'm not some Holy Spirit police officer or anything like that. I'm, I'm not digging in any of your lives or anything. I got my own mess to handle. The one place where believers need to be, even in, in the aftermath of maybe making some sinful decisions, is church. So you can be restored. So you can surround yourself with brothers and sisters who can lift you up and encourage you. The last thing you want to do is be like Adam and Eve and try to hide out in the garden. Where can you run from his spirit? Nowhere. Where can you flee from his presence? You can't. So stop doing it. That's 
You're like, we're here, dude. I know, I'm not talking to you guys, okay? I'm not talking. I'm not talking to anybody. Let's say it like that. Unless you're listening right now and you're feeling convicted, then I'm talking to you. All I'm saying is church is where, is where we should be. It's where we should be for more reasons than just like perfect attendance, if anybody keeps track of that stuff and all that. This is where we need to be because my flesh wants to keep me away from this. Where can you escape from his spirit? Where can you flee from? Where can you, can you ever get away from his presence? The answer to that is no. And David, he's not ask, actually asking this. He, he's stating something. He says, if I go up to heaven, you're there. If I go into the grave or Sheol, um, this is not like hell, okay? Okay, because sometimes we think we're like, we're like, well, it's not Gehenna, right? It's Sheol, which typically usually means grave. Here, it's probably talking about like the afterlife, okay? Whether it's talking about the grave or afterlife, here's the thing. You're not going to get away from his presence. You're not going to get away from his presence. If you go up to heaven, is this talking about the heaven like where God lives Or is this just talking about heaven like atmosphere-wise? It doesn't matter because anywhere you go, he's going to be there, right? That's what David's saying, like the height, as as far up as you can go to as far down as you can go, he's there. Verse 9 says, if I ride the wings of of the morning, essentially what he's talking about is from the east when the sun rises. He's like, if I hop on that bird and I fly on that bird all the way to the other side, as far as west as you can go. Ride the wings of the morning, and if I dwell on the farthest oceans, so you got from as high as you can go to as low as you can go, guess what? You cannot get away from God. You can't get away from him. It says, even there, your hand will guide me, and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night, but even in darkness, I cannot hide from you. To you, the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. That's fascinating. You know, most of the crimes happen in nighttime, right? We, we understand why, because it's like under the cover of darkness. So nobody sees me. The, the reality is, is that God sees all things. There is no night and day for him. There's no night. It's not like when the sun goes down, God's got to get out his holy flashlight and be like, oh, what are these sinners doing? He sees it all. He sees it all. Just as the night is just the same as the day for him. You can't hide from him. And that's, that's, this is essentially what David's saying. Oftentimes we read this and, and it kind of like strikes a little bit of fear into our lives. We're like, oh man, this is kind of like, so God's like watching me all the time. It's kind of creepy. No, it's not. It's really not. Unless you're like, you're guilty of doing something you shouldn't be doing. Because then you're feeling, if you're feeling that way. But if you're like, I'm just trying to serve the Lord, man. And I'm so glad that he's got his eyes on me all the time. All the time. Does that mean I'm always doing stuff that pleases him? No, no, but I praise God that he's got his eyes on me all the time. Please never take your eyes off of me, Lord. Please never take your eyes off of me. I find comfort in this, personally. I find comfort in the fact that there's nothing that you can experience in this life that's gonna separate you from him. There's no way, nowhere physically you can go that's gonna separate you. I know some of the questions that may come about are like, well, what about like backsliding? What about the prodigal son? And, you know, using that story, he ran away from home and then ran back to God. What that sometimes fails to communicate is it sometimes pictures like, well, God is stuck here and you can run away. The reality is 
if that father was truly illustrating God the Father, he was aware and was with that kid everywhere, right? Now, it's not the physical act of him returning back. It's the repentant act of turning and acknowledging, I've turned my back on you. I've sinned against you. So that's the prodigal son. It really is highlighting this, this element of repentance, repentance. You can backslide as a Christian, I think. You can turn your back on him, but you can never get away from him. And how frustrating of a life is that, to know the grace of God and the goodness of God, and yet to turn your back on him, knowing you're never going to get away from him. You'll never get away from him. He's always there. He's always there. So for some who backslide, you're like, dude, just wake up and just turn around. Tell him you're sorry. Let him embrace you. He's never going to leave you nor forsake you. You're his. You surrender to him. Jesus is your Lord and Savior. Well, that promise still applies even to those who are the hardest of all heads, right? The, The extreme knuckleheads where it's like, stop doing this. Turn around and acknowledge who he is and just say, you know what, Lord, I'm, I'm sorry for trying to run away from you all the time. You're never going to leave me. No, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. Now, quit being a knucklehead and let's, let's go on a mission together, right? Let's, let's do what I created you to do. And that transitions into this next portion as he is he's God who is all-knowing, God who is ever-present, the God who is everywhere is with you. To the next part is, he's the creator God. He is God all-powerful. And this is one of these elements of, of God, his attributes that I just love to death. Because I am a, uh, I guess my personality type would be more of a creative, I guess you would say that, right? Definitely not type A, definitely not type A. I'm a more artistic, creative type person. Give me a blank piece of paper and a pencil or a pen, and I'm drawing on that thing all day long. In fact, that's how I took notes in, well, I didn't really take notes in high school. When I went to Bible college and I kind of got my act together, and I figured I should probably start paying attention because I'm paying for this school, so I need to pass so I can get like a degree or something. I think I got one of those. I don't really know. But anytime I sit through like a teaching or preaching or anything like that, what I have is I always, I always have a pen and I always have a blank piece of paper because how I take notes is I draw. I draw. I don't write notes. I don't even preach with notes. I don't do that. It's too distracting. But I draw. And I can tell you, if I look through my Bible and I see an image, I can tell you who was preaching, what they were preaching on, and what day that was taught on. And every point that they said. Because for me, that's how my brain works. I'm a creative type, I guess you would say. Then I look at this, verses 13, 13 through 16, and I see the greatest artist who has ever existed and ever will exist forever and ever. Verse 13 says, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. This is beautiful. This is so amazing where David's like, you, so you know my thoughts. You've examined my heart. I cannot run away from you. All this stuff. You formed me. You designed me. You created me. Hope to the hopeless, hopeless, red for- 
You've been listening to the radio ministry Bread for the Broken with Pastor James Grizzle. We're based out of Galveston, Texas, with the support of Calvary Galveston and listeners like you. We trust that what you heard in today's message stirred something inside of you to a point of action. These teachings are meant to help you find hope and new life in Jesus, and that's our heart's desire for you today. If you're in the Galveston area, would you come be a part of what's happening at Calvary Galveston? Our atmosphere is simple, laid back, and uncomplicated. We just want to magnify Jesus at all ages. To learn more about our ministry, we invite you to visit breadforthebroken.com. We also do a live stream on Facebook, so check it out, even if you are a little further away. If you're interested in hearing more messages like this one, you can do that by going to the Listen tab at breadforthebroken.com. While you're there, why not discover a little more about the church and this ministry, as well as look for opportunities to partner with us here. There's a Give tab that's easily accessible on our website too, if you feel led to support us in a financial way. We'd also love it if you would join us in praying for this ministry. Pastor James is excited to share new things with you in the coming study. There's always more that we can gain from diving deep into God's Word. Until next time, we encourage you to stay connected to God and His Word, and to then come back for more solid teachings right here. We'll be waiting for you, here on Bread for the Broken.